this is where the government gives us secret approval. It's just like a spoken word pamphlet, so don't be scared. Welcome, everyone, to the Collect Call. This podcast is an offering of the Acts 8 movement, proclaiming resurrection in the Episcopal Church. My name is Holly Powell. I'm a layperson and a member of Christ Church Cathedral in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Brendan O'Sullivan Hale, and I'm also a layperson, and I'm a member of the Episcopal Church of All Saints in Indianapolis, Indiana. And we have a special guest with us today. Is it the baby uh, Jesus? Um, no, but pretty close. Awesome. He's a lot taller than the baby Jesus. Fair point. Scott, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure, I'm Scott Gunn. I spent most of my life as a layperson, and now I'm a priest. I work at Forward Movement in Cincinnati, Ohio, and before that I was a parish priest. And I've been a uh, devotee of collects and the collect call, and I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, we're so glad to have you with us. We are very excited to have you. It probably would have made more sense to have you on during Lent, but... We don't always make a lot of sense. This podcast is about the intersection of liturgy and life, as seen through the lens of the Collects in the Book of Common Prayer. Now, Collect is kind of a funny-sounding word, but it's just another word for prayer, and it's spelled like collect, as in you might collect episodes of the People's Court, including (laughs) you sold me a fake fish, parking tickets destroy a friendship, car sale catastrophe, and music video disaster. I think we live podcasted the music video disaster, didn't we? <laughs> uh, yes, we certainly did. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Thank you. I used um, to love that show. My my grandma was a big fan, and I stayed with her during the summers, so we would totally watch it. This one has nothing to do with Christmas. This is the collection that I assembled two weeks ago when I was sick. Um, And I can't remember what this one had to do with that collect either. Social justice. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's right. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) But anyway, today we are going to be talking about Christmas. Christmas. Now, since you will probably be hearing this possibly before Christmas... I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. We are recording this during the waning hours of Advent, and it feels a little weird to be talking about Christmas and Advent. Yeah, you know, the Collect Call is doing an amazing job of ruining Advent this year by recording this episode and our Christmas carol. Hashtag make Advent great again. (laughs) I enjoyed your Christmas carol, by the way. That was magnificent. Brendan is an amazing editor. extremely talented listeners uh, because uh, between Holly and me, I I kept us on pretty low volume. (laughs) (laughs) Like, 
I would be listening. To, I was listening to it in the car. He sent it to me um, maybe before it went out, like to the general public. And I was listening to it in my car. And when my voice came on, I like, had to turn the volume down. <laughs> Like, oh, God. Okay, here comes Marlena again. That's good. <laughs> well, anyway, so Christmas. So last year um, we talked, we did a Christmas episode, uh, but there are actually three collects in the BCP for Christmas. Are there differences between the, the three of those? There are differences in theological content, obviously, but uh, sure. Scott and I were corresponding a bit before the show. He was filling me in a little bit on why we have three. So I'll just let Scott tell us. Well, yeah, first of all, by the way, if I were awarding medals to the Christmas Collects, this one that we're doing tonight would get the bronze medal. Mm. It's, it's, it's my <clears throat> least favorite of the three, but that's all right. It's still a good one. So there are three Collects because there are three sets of lessons for Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. This has been true for, I don't know how long, a while, long before the current American prayer book. And the deal is that the first one is intended to be used for an early Christmas Eve service, just after sundown. The second one is intended to be used at a midnight service. And the third set of lessons is intended to be used on Christmas morning uh, during the day, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning or something. So, Scott, Marion Hatchett notes that this is the first time this collect has shown up in the Book of Common Prayer. Yes. W- was there another one pre-79 prayer book? Um, or did um, one of them that, just get used yeah. twice? Uh, yeah, I was doing a little... Um, I, I didn't have this quite all on the top of my head. So the other two collects for Christmas have been in prayer books previously. And I believe it's true, this this part, this next point, I'm not 100% sure about. But I believe it's the case that the only prayer book prior to that that's in our lineage that had multiple Christmas collects was the very first prayer book in 1549, which had a, a set of lessons for Christmas, and then it had a set of lessons for the Second Communion of Christmas, whatever that means. And there were two collects, and they were versions, I think, of the other two Christmas collects. So this third one is a is the is the brand new one. Well, except that it's not like brand new. Well, it's, it's not actually brand super new. Old. It's, it, yeah, it's 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 pretty old, but it's it's new in terms of making its debut in prayer books. Well, perhaps now that we've built up the suspense, I'm going to put like a baseline under this so it feels like suspense. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we should actually pray the collect. How about the the uh, people's court song? Anyway, yes, you're totally correct. This collect is found on page 212 of the Book of Common Prayer. O God, you have caused this holy night to shine with the brightness of the true light. Grant that we, who have known the mystery of that light on earth, may also enjoy him perfectly in heaven, where with you and the Holy Spirit he lives and reigns, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. 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 Yeah. Lots of uh, light imagery here. I like the first part. I don't know how this how this show works, so I'll, I'll just dive in. You can you can scold me if I if I get it wrong. But <laughs> um, the show is edited extensively, so don't worry about getting anything wrong. <laughs> I like the I like the first part. You have caused this holy night to shine with the brightness of the true light. Mm-hmm. That part I really like. Yeah, but, I like uh, that too. And the mystery of that light on earth is okay. I'm not such a big fan of the may enjoy him perfectly in heaven. 
Yeah, that is a weird phrase. A really weird phrase. Well, it sounds like you're going to eat him. Yeah. <laughs> which I guess technically we are. Yeah, there is that. I, I did a Google search on the phrase because it was so odd, and I've only been able to find two usages of it. And they appear to be exclusively within the Anglican lineage. There is this prayer, and then Bishop William Beveridge, in a sermon that he preached in roughly 1757 on Luke 1042, uh, which is uh, the episode with Mary and Martha, where uh, Martha protests that she's working in the kitchen while Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. Anyway, he uses the phrase here in an oddball 1757 kind of sentence, whereby his soul is firmly fixed upon God, that he is in a right disposition to love, fear, serve, honor, and obey him heartily and sincerely upon earth, and to behold, admire, and enjoy him perfectly in heaven. Other than those two phrases, I got nothing. Well, what's interesting is uh, that's, that's a pretty interesting usage. The other thing that's interesting about this is before it showed up in, it was edited by the folks who are working on our prayer book. Before that, it was, this is a version of the prayer that's um, in English but older. Uh, o God, who hast made this most sacred night to shine with the illumination of the true light. I really liked the poetry of that. Oh, that's good. Grant, we beseech thee that as we have known the mystery of that light upon earth. And then here's where, this is what's different. We may also perfectly enjoy it in heaven. Hmm. It's interesting that, you know, our prayer book has him, which makes, okay. which personifies the light, which of course is about Jesus, but it's interesting to, to, to give the word light sort of this male, maleness. Mm-hmm. And the, the old-fashioned, old-school collect didn't do that, which I, I sort of like better. Yeah, I'm because this is, I mean, this, this prayer is obviously referring to John 1, uh, the light shining yeah. in the darkness. Mm-hmm. But unlike John 1, you know, who, who works through this poetry to finally get to, and the word was made flesh, this prayer attempts to accomplish it with a pronoun switcheroo. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yes. So I don't think it's very elegant in the it's just I don't think it's aesthetically very pleasing. But I also don't much like it's not the emphasis I would put on it because I I at least in my sermons I feel like I spend a lot of time saying to people over and over again that eternal life, that the abundant life in Christ is not something that we earn in this life to get our ticket punched so that we can enjoy it in heaven. But that eternal life and Christ's abundant life is something that we that we attain in this life, which continues eternally. And I feel like this prayer sort of undoes a lot of that by just saying, well, hey, it's Christmas, it's light, and hey, <laughs> let's hope that, the light, that we get to have the same light in heaven. Which makes me wonder, by the way, if it's, you know, I'm, I'm picturing twinkly colored Christmas lights, but I probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> which are all male. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> I I agree with you, Scott, but um, only to a point in that this prayer also does talk about knowing the mystery of the light on earth. So at, at least there's, yes. it, it doesn't have, so that we can do all the right stuff so that when we die, we go to heaven. There's a bit more, at least in the okay. translation, I, who knows what the original Latin says exactly, uh, but there's a bit more of a sense of, of continuity in that presence, 
Um, yes. Although that perfectly adverb shows up for like the second consecutive week now on this show. Mm-hmm. We had we had a long discussion about it last week, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we we did. But I'm wondering if the function of the adverb here is maybe an indirect reference to Paul's discussion of now seeing through a glass darkly. That right. we have a sense of what Jesus is like on earth, um, but there is more to it. Right. But I'm with you, Scott, in terms of not finding that super inspiring. Just like you said, Scott, it starts out so strong with this beautiful imagery, and then it's like, and then you get to heaven. It just, it kind of drops off abruptly. (laughs) And I would have really liked that really nice imagery of the brightness, the, the mysterious light to carry forward. Yeah, you know what I think it is? I think it's the word enjoy. That's probably a really good translation of whatever Latin verb was there. But it's not, it's just not a very strong, I don't, I don't think that's the right verb, but I'm not sure what a better one would be. Yeah. It would be um, too flip to say, but that we who have known the mystery of that light on earth may, may bask in Christ's light in heaven. Now that, you know, basking in light makes it sound like a tanning salon or something. Which isn't, <laughs> that's the wrong kind of imagery as well. But, but I think something a little more visceral and strong would really help this prayer. So maybe someday, I hope many decades from now when we're revising the prayer book, this collect <laughs> can, get imp- can get an improvement. Maybe like, no, because that is creepy too. I was going to say like, like bathe in the light. <laughs> but that's mm, yeah. That's I we're don't still know. in like you know tanning salon territory mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what we have established on this show so far is that heaven probably smells like coconut oil, <laughs> and it's real twinkly. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but you know, I look. I'm doing the word nerd thing and looking at the actual definition of the word enjoy, which is to have a good time, and that's not exactly what I think we want to say here either (laughs) i don't know jesus first miracle was turning water into wine so it's true perfectly a perfect (laughs) time (laughs) you know there's a version of this prayer that's in the alternative service book and an australian prayer book and it has eternal god who made this most holy night to shine with the brightness of your one true light i quite like that and then it goes on bring us who have known the revelation of that light on earth which I like better. And mm-hmm. then this last part is a really strong closer. To see the radiance of your heavenly glory. Oh, that's very good. Agreed. And just as an aside, you can edit this part out, but if you if you two, do you have this book? Scott, can you tell our listeners what book you're holding up? Oh, sure. I was just uh, commending this wonderful book, The Collect in Anglican Liturgy, subtitle, Texts and Sources, 1549 to 1989. Hmm. Uh, edited by Martin Dudley, and it's published in the U.S. by the Liturgical Press, Collegeville, Minnesota. It's it's just what the title says. It's a, it's a collection, <laughs> no pun intended, of <laughs> collects. Under each one, it, it, it says where it's appeared, and it has a little bit about the history, and it shows you all the different versions in various Anglican prayer books, uh, ancient and modern. It's a very useful volume. Wow, that's cool. I didn't that know you were cool. authorized to recommend books that weren't published by Forward Movement. <laughs> <laughs> I do it all the time, actually. Uh, one great thing about Forward Movement is we see ourselves as a discipleship company, not as a publishing company. So I'm always glad to send people toward excellent resources of whoever has published them. 
Well, speaking of the history of collects, there is one aspect of this uh, of this collects history that I find really interesting. So you've got this imagery of light and darkness going on, and you have in the attribution we say you have caused this holy night to shine with the brightness of the true light. Both Marion Hatchet and uh, another commentator, Philip. Fatiker? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine, dude. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes so you yeah. can figure out how to pronounce this name. But anyway, they both note that this prayer, which is from the Galatian Sacramentary, so uh, so quite early, uh, something like 13, 1400 years old now, actually goes back to the roots of Christmas's timing as being a rival festival to the birthday of the sun. So we have an assertion of Christ as the true light in contrast to the prevailing festival that preceded Christmas. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah, it's really, there's really cool stuff. You might have talked about this on your show before, but the, the O antiphons, when everything get, gets all excited, and you know, that we're in now in these closing days of Advent, take place exactly on the same days as the Feast of Saturnalia. So one interesting kind of liturgical side note on this is that given uh, the early history of Christmas, very often if you go to an evening Christmas Eve service, there's going to be some point in the service where the lights are dimmed and you light candles and you sing Silent Night and all that. Again, this Philip Fatiker guy guy. He's a Lutheran pastor, by the way. In his commentary on this prayer, he notes that to make vivid the entrance of light into the world, it was customary to illumine the churches with as many lights as possible, and notes a rubric from the Cathedral of Parma about the preparation of the building for the celebration of the Easter Vigil, and that rubric refers back to the Christmas Eve service that all the lamps of the church are to be lit uh, as on the Nativity. Which is pretty cool. I like the idea of, of, I love the Easter Vigil because it's you sort of sit there in, in candlelight. I, I'm good with the idea of, of just bathing the, the whole worship assembly in, in candlelight. I think it's, it's lovely. The silent night thing, I'm not such a big fan of. <laughs> yeah, me either. And, Random. and I think the reason, if, if it were at the beginning of the service, if the church started in darkness and you had some sort of ritual of bringing in a candle and lighting everyone's candles and it and the liturgy started that way it would be lovely if you left by candlelight you had some ritual of extinguishing all the artificial light and giving people candles and so people would leave the church bearing Christ's light into the world I think that'd be really cool I always think it's a little silly right in the middle of the service to hand out candles have sing this very sentimental Christmas carol turn off all the lights and then when it's over you turn off all the lights and carry on it, it just has nothing to do with anything I just want to point out that this may cause a bigger kerfuffle among our listeners than when I attacked uh, We Three Kings last year. <laughs> oh, man, you were harsh on We Three Kings. <laughs> Wait a second, you attacked We Three Kings? Oh, yes. yeah, he hates it. <laughs> I'm going to have to go find that episode. <laughs> <laughs> but he kind of came around because he found like a hipstery recording of it that he liked. Yeah. Yeah. So just a random aside on Silent Night, last night was my daughter's school's holiday, or uh, what's the, the appropriate term, winter showcase, in which they sing songs from a variety of, of cultures, which I actually think is very cool, although a little bit forced. 
most of the songs they sing are are secular in nature of the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer type. But they incorporated two songs from each, I don't know, I, I would say religion, but then there were two Kwanzaa songs, which I don't think that's necessarily religiously based. So two Kwanzaa songs, two Hanukkah songs, two songs from Los Posadas, and two which were listed in the program as nativity songs, which were <laughs> Silent Night. <laughs> um, so I guess that is like Christmas, <laughs> um, just not secular Christmas. So the mother that was sitting next to me and I had a big laugh about, now we're, I guess, calling it nativity <laughs> when, you, when it's Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag war on Christmas. Right. So, Brendan, do you, do you agree with me on this Silent Night thing or not really? Oh, yeah. And then, Holly, what do you think? Oh, you know me. I've got feels all over the place, dude. <laughs> I like it. I've always liked it. And I, and I have no theological backing for it. It's just straight up feelings. I also have this very vivid and beautiful memory. Probably the first time I took my daughter to a, a late night Christmas service. I don't think it was the 11, but it was definitely dark. So I don't know. That could be four o'clock these days. But she was probably two. We were at our old church and Mother Elise was was our rector. And my daughter was very attached to Elise. And she was also, my daughter was incredibly scared of the dark. So I was already kind of dreading the whole Silent Night deal and thinking I was going to have to take her out of the church. But instead, she wiggled down out of my arms and ran up onto the altar before I could stop her and hopped into Elise's arms. <laughs> and she sang Silent Night with Elise. <laughs> Aww. Well, that's a nice memory. Yeah. Yeah, see, I, I, I kind of grump about the Silent Night moment in the service because liturgically, I don't get what we're doing at that moment. But on the other hand, like, it's pretty and people have feels about it. You know, of all the things that matter in the church, I'm not going to pick this battle. I'm not a fan, but it's nice. Absolutely. I was um, a rector for a while, and I could have exercised my authority and said, we're going to not do this thing. But of course I didn't, because that would be silly, because it, so many people love that moment. And it's not that I'm, I love the candles, and I don't mind Silent Night so much. It's, it's the, I don't understand what we're doing. But since so many people love it, it would be silly to, to attack it. But I would advise organists that you can probably pick up the tempo just a hair. <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> just in general or on that particular track? <laughs> there are a few songs that, that seem to get dragged out a bit. Um, I, I'm, I'm speaking specifically of Silent Night at the moment, though. Right. Well, There's a great music video version, by the way, of Silent Night by Hillsong. Have you seen that? No. No. Oh, it's it's like a it's like the Roaring Twenties meet Christian rock meet German Christmas Carol. It's awesome. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> but we will post it in the show notes. We sure will. I noticed it because I, I noticed some of my friends were were sharing a link to this video and how outrageous it was, which of course made me watch it. And it's it's a real spectacle. So well, before we get to the Twitter challenge, I, I just want to plug a couple of things really quick. First, as Holly mentioned last week or the week before last, we had um, some kind of weird issue where our, our show disappeared from iTunes for a while, uh, and that means that we lost our reviews. If you have reviewed this show before, it, it's gone. We'd really love it if you would 
go in and as a Christmas present to us, uh, write a review on iTunes. It'll really uh, help people find us. And also, we, we've plugged this before a couple episodes ago, ago, but I just want to plug it again. Y'all really need to be listening to Derek Olson's new podcast, the St. Mm. Bede Psalmcast. Uh, it is really, really good. And one of the things that I love about it is that doing this show has helped me pay attention to the collect, which before we did this show was just in one ear, out the other for me. Mm-hmm. And the Psalms are actually very like that for me during worship. And I'm finding that Derek's podcast is actually changing my experience of worship, that, that I'm growing to appreciate something uh, that also flew right by me before. So, uh, so I'd encourage you to check it out because you might have the same experience. Awesome. So, Twitter challenge? Twitter challenge. This is the hardest thing about being a guest on your show by far. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of guests decline for that reason. Yeah. So I'm not totally sure I did it right, but you can you can tell me. Is it 140 I, characters or less? I have one character to spare on this one. Uh, then, then you, you did, did it right. right. <laughs> Here, here's, here's what I came up with. Lord Jesus, comma, as we celebrate your incarnation this night... Comma. May your light shine in our lives that we may be beacons of your love. Hashtag Christmas. Very nice. Wow. That was maybe better than the college we just talked about. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Go for it. I'm enjoying Jesus perfectly in heaven by hanging out poolside. Hashtag Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That suntan track just got Yeah, me. you know, we were thinking along the same lines, <laughs> as is often the case. Here's mine. Enjoy the light of the world perfectly and safely by using an SPF of at least 30 each day. <laughs> hashtag pro tip, hashtag Christmas. <laughs> oh, that's great. Wow. Yeah, I lose. Scott wins for sincerity. Holly wins for... Awesome. <laughs> no, Holly wins, period. That's, that's awesome. If you would like to send us your Christmas tweets or uh, what sunscreen you like to use or whatever, you can find us on Twitter at The Collect Call. And if you're not a tweeter, you can find us on your email tubes at The Collect Call at Axe8Movement. That's the number eight. Dot org and axeatmovement.org is where you can also find our parent organization as well as on Facebook and Twitter at axeatmovement. Scott, where can our listeners find you? Well, they can find me probably the best place is my blog, which is www.sevenholedays.org. And the number seven is written out S E V E N, sevenholedays.org. And on Twitter at, is it Scott oh. Agun? Yes, on Twitter it's at Scott A. Gunn. And if I may, if I may, you put may. In a plug, my dog is also on Twitter and he's <laughs> at George T. Dog. And the T stands for the. Yes. <laughs> and, and George T. Dog is the official dog of the Episcopal Church, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. He's, he's the mascot of forward movement for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's quite cute. Well, our music is Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence by Aaron DeVries, distributed under a Creative Commons license. Find more of Aaron's music at badgerland.bandcamp.com. And Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Yay! Happy Christmas, yeah. 
uh, and join us next week for the Feast of the Holy Name. Let Woo-hoo. mortal flesh keep silence And with fear and trembling stand Ponder nothing earthly-minded For with blessing in his hand Christ our God to earth descended Our full homage to